This is a CBC Podcast. Saskatchewan teachers are taking job action again today. This after talks resumed briefly and broke down again earlier this week, with both sides pointing the finger at the other. Saskatchewan Party MLA remains in the spotlight due to his ownership stake in two Regina motels. And a new poll sent a ripple through Saskatchewan's political world as it showed the NDP ahead of the Saskatchewan Party among voters. To break all of this down, we're joined by this week's political panel. Murray Madrick writes a political column in the Regina Leader Post and the Saskatoon Star Phoenix. And we're also joined by Jeremy Symes, who covers the legislature for the Canadian press. Good morning, Murray. Good morning. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning. Jeremy, we'll start with you. What's the latest on this battle? back and forth between the Teachers' Federation and the Minister of Education. Right. So the union and the government, they met earlier this week and they started to negotiate, but that quickly broke down. Both sides have different stories into how that all played out. But Education Minister Jeremy Cockrell, he posted a video on social media saying they met, but teachers walked away after only 30 minutes because they didn't like the offer the government was offering. The union disputes that. In her own video, President Samantha Beacott, she said uh, they had met briefly. It ended. However, uh, they were scheduled to meet again the next day, but then the government delayed that and then cancelled the meeting. And so... When that happened, negotiations immediately stopped and the union announced job action, which is planned for today. So teachers across the province won't be offering noon hour supervision. This is something they voluntarily do. And there's also going to be strikes at some school divisions in Saskatchewan. So there'll be even one outside Premier Scott Moe's constituency office in Shelbrooke today. And so the government says it had offered wage increases uh, to teachers 2% each year, plus uh, whatever inflation is and have it tied to inflation. And it also offered a memorandum of understanding to teachers that would have offered annualized $53 million to address things like class size and complexity. But teachers say this MOU is not legally binding. And there's no guarantee that it would address those issues over the long run. If you look at some of the fine print in that MOU, both sides can cancel it within 12 months. And so teachers says, you know, teachers say that it's not good enough. They wanted something more concrete in the actual uh, contract. And so that's why we are at where we are today, where we're seeing more job action. So, Murray, what do you make of this and the response by Minister Cockrell this week? Uh, it was horrible. Uh, it uh, He has a huge credibility problem. He uh, tells half-truths and has a, a, a constant habit of doing this that are easily disputable. Uh, one of them was that uh, they, the, the STF weren't there. Well, that's pretty easy to dispute because the video shot by Samantha Peacock was right from the room in which they were negotiating. And uh, so obviously they were there. He said, well, we're offering them basically the same thing in contract guarantee. Well, Jeremy just explained why that's not the same thing as contract guarantee is guaranteed within the contract. And if you remember what happened in 2017 when the SAS party government removed roughly $50 million from the education budget and never really replaced it, you get why STF might want something in writing in terms of their commitment to classroom complexity and, and size. And so that is a problem. Uh, he is becoming the front man for this. We're not seeing the premier on this particular issue. Uh, and that's quite uh, common because sometimes premiers do not front for the tougher issues. They rely on the ministers to do so. But they rely on the ministers to do a good job. And either through his own experience, inexperience, and I don't th- I think that is a problem because I think he truly doesn't understand the, no- uh, the nature of negotiations and what it is. But his bigger problem is a credibility one. And I don't know at this particular point how much credibility Premier Scott Moe would add to the, the, this situation. But right now, uh, the biggest problem 
is the teachers don't believe uh, Jeremy uh, uh, Cockrell when he speaks. And when Jeremy Cockrell speaks, most of us who listen to him doubt it. And that's a huge problem. Jeremy, we're going to switch gears now. There was a poll by Incitrix that raised a few eyebrows in the Saskatchewan Public Universe, I know among us as well. What made this poll interesting? Yeah, definitely raised eyebrows for sure. So Incitrix, it's a polling firm here in Saskatchewan, and they released survey results from an online survey they took, and it showed the NDP is ahead for the first time since 2017 province-wide. Incitrix surveyed 800 people online, and what it found was if an election were held today, 49% of decided voters said they'd vote for the opposition New Democrats, 47% of decided voters said they would vote for the Saskatchewan party. Now, if you dive deeper into the numbers, the NDP is polling much better in the cities. So 66% of respondents in Saskatoon said they'd vote for New Democrats, and 53% of Regina said they would as well. The Saskatchewan party, they still dominate in the rural areas of the province. So 59% of voters uh, in the South would vote for the Saskatchewan party, and 54% of them would vote uh, for them in the North. It also found a majority of respondents were in favor of the teachers right now during this this labor action, these negotiations. So 77% of undecided voters said they are in support of the teachers. If you look at New Democrats, 95% they support teachers. And if you look at Saskatchewan party voters, 36% of them said they are supportive of teachers, but 37% they support the government, and 27% they are not sure. So NDP leader Carla Beck, you know, she says she's really encouraged by these numbers. More work needs to be done, she says, for her party to form government. Patrick Bundrock, he's a spokesperson for the Saskatchewan party. He told Leader Post reporter Alex Salome that Incitrix polls historically have been inaccurate, and he says this polling, he's doubtful that it is accurate. Murray, what do you make of this polling, and should we be reading anything into it at all? Ah, it takes a little bit more to raise these old gray bushy eyebrows, Adam. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty much everything we've been t- t- talking about. So uh, we, we knew the NDP were doing better. It, maybe it's interesting that they're a little ahead. It is, uh, but they're wasting a lot of their vote in the city in the same way that the SAS party wastes a tremendous amount of their vote in the country. But that's better for the SAS party because it's, 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 it's vote spent more efficiently because of the number of ridings, etc. Uh, and I think the problem being for uh, uh, the NDP is the ongoing one of just not being able to to do much in the country. I was really interested in the teacher's vote. Uh, not as much as the uh, notion that the NDP uh, uh, supporters were largely in favor of uh, uh, the teachers, although tremendously 95% uh, approval is, is uh, interesting. But it's the combination of the undecided that were supporting the teachers and even SAS party uh, uh, voters being split on the matter because the way Cockrell and the way Premier Mo are behaving has everything to do with wanting to appeal to their own base and vilifying teachers and basically saying things like the teachers' union and the union won't tell us what to do and it should be done by local school boards. This was very language very much done to talk directly to their own voters. They're putting it out on social media that's largely explored by SAS party supporters and, and such, suggests to me that they were just wanting to message uh, their own voters on this whole issue as opposed to uh, uh, the teachers or the public at large. Well, apparently, according to this poll, that isn't working as well as they thought it is, and they might have to change strategy.
Yeah, just on that note, you know, the, you could read what you want into, I guess, the the NDP support in this in this poll, and you hear from Patrick Bundrock, who's kind of dismissing it based on old polling from Insightrix from the last election, saying it wasn't accurate. But when you look at just the question about the support for the teachers, and you mentioned that you know support among undecideds. What does that tell you about what the government has to do when it comes to these negotiations? I think I think the government actually did soften its position a little in terms of its both its language and its actual offer to teachers in the last round. But they insisted on doing things in uh, the obstreperous way that they have been doing it in the past and not in a particularly honest way. So I don't think it helped them. Uh, but, I, but I think we're already beginning to see this. It's a big problem for the government because they have to solve this issue uh, before they can call an election. And with last week's uh, cabinet uh, departures and departures of senior, uh, not cabinet departures, but uh, potential departures of cabinet ministers before or after the next election, uh, there is a, a change afoot in the SAS party, and it looks like they might have been headed towards an early election. I don't know how they can do that now with the teachers out, and they certainly can't legislate them back because the teachers haven't done anything to merit that. And if they did legislate them back, it would be a huge reward for the teachers because they get a wonderful contract out of this with any uh, arbitrator, in my humble opinion. So, Jeremy, late last week, uh, the social services minister, Gene Mikowski, announced some tweaks regarding how the ministry books hotels for clients. You and I were both there for that. Now, this comes after criticism that the government paid an inflated rate to a hotel owned by Mikowski's caucus colleague, Gary Graywall. But that's not the end of this story. What did the NDP say this week in, in, in regards to this? Right. Yeah. So the NDP has been pressing for more answers into this uh, motel owned by Mr. Graywall, the Sunrise Motel. What we learned this week was that Mr. Graywell has an ownership stake in the Thrift Lodge Hotel here in Regina. And the NDP is really concerned about this because the Thrift Lodge was used quite frequently, as was the Sunrise, for social service clients. It received quite a bit of cash from the government. And so they have concerns about the ministry paying these inflated rates when they have to pay uh, for social service clients to stay there. and so what Mira Conway, she's the social services critic for the NDP, what she's concerned about is, is a government MLA here profiteering from our housing crisis, from our homelessness crisis here in the province? Um, why isn't the government doing more to house people so they don't have to use these hotels more often? And these hotels are used, you know, when people are in crisis situations and there's no other place for them to go. But... But yeah, I mean, the, the this new revelation, I know you asked the minister last week, are there any other MLAs connected to some of these hotels or motels? And uh, Gene Mikowski, the minister, he said he's not aware of any, while it looks like Mr. Graywell has another attachment to another hotel. So um, the NDP has a freedom of information request. They have some more from that. We'll see if more comes out of this, what Mr. Graywell does uh, going forward. I don't think he's been nominated yet. Yeah, that's correct. There's a you know a couple of MLAs uh, that are sitting in the Saskatchewan Party Caucus who haven't been uh, nominated yet or given their intentions, made their intentions clear. Gary Graywall is one of them, the MLA for Regina Northeast. Uh, we've talked about this story a few times, Murray, and it's taken another twist yeah. here. What do you make of these latest developments and this oh, revelation yeah. That, yeah. that Mr. Graywall owns a hotel that the government is paying and paying an inflated rate to? I, I think it goes from a potential grade B scandal to a potential grade A scandal. And uh, that's because right now you're dealing with two hotels, uh, both 
in essence, owned or owned in part by the same MLA who yeah, – and here's the critical factors. He started making – or his hotel started making a lot more money after he was reelected. Could be coincidence. But once again, you count up the coincidences. He, he – uh, only they only talked about the one hotel, uh, which was uh, doing a lot of business. Well, they found the second one that was doing even more business. So when you have a MLA who all of a sudden after being elected in 22, uh, 2020, I'm sorry, uh, making uh, ha- owning hotels that are doing a lot more business, it cuts into the credibility of the government story that, oh, well, this is just simply uh, – uh, social services arbitrarily, independently uh, picking these hotels. Whether Mr. Uh, Graywall or someone within his organization targeted this as an opportunity or whatever happened, we don't know. We're still not getting a decent explanation from Mr. Uh, Graywall. The one that he got certainly doesn't hold as much water as it did uh, before, where it was basically, well, we have to somewhat charge rates on because we damage is done and 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 we don't get damages deposits back. It does seem like there's something else going on here that the government either did or didn't know about. And that's when, as I say, it, the, the level of scandal in my mind is, is, is up significantly. And just so our listeners know, Gary Graywall wasn't in a conflict of interest because the, he doesn't have a binding contract with the government over these hotels. So the problem is the conflict of interest rules. In, to say that you're not in conflict of interest doesn't really mean much. We saw a whole bunch of things in uh, the, the GTH, the Global Transportation Hub in Regina, where there was, quote, no conflict of interest. Yet we had a minister doing business directly with someone that uh, uh, that he did business with privately in terms of his farming operation. It seems like a bit of a conflict to me. but. According to our conflict of interest rules, which need to be desperately upgraded, which won't be because politicians make that, those decisions, but they need to be desperately, uh, 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 desperately upgraded. It seems to me that, this, that our conflict of interest laws would be lacking there. Thanks so much, Murray. You're very welcome. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.